1: People are never going to understand how critical this particular time in history is. We have $7.7 trillion worth of economic events that are going to hit America in the gut. This is An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun, President and CEO of Private Wealth Consultants. The free free market voice of the U.S., enhancing and protecting private wealth. Gary Rathbun has over 30 years of experience in making the best choices for you to keep more of what you earn. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An Economy of One
2: with Gary Rathbun.
0: This is our country.
2: Greetings and welcome again to An Economy of One. I am your host Gary Rathbun. You know, the the story that just never seems to go away, the The government agency that just never leaves my mind, among others, is the EPA. Last time I talked to you, remember, we talked about the EPA uh, getting together with the Army Corps of Engineers and redefining their mission. It's, It's always been since, I don't know, 1970 or 80, somewhere in there, long time, that the EPA was to regulate and oversee what's called navigable waters. And now navigable means that you have to be able to navigate those waters in a boat. And all other waters didn't fall under EPA jurisdiction. Uh, Several years ago, they came out with some what they call wetland language. So after you got, uh, I forget what it was, an inch of rain or something, if the If the ground was wet for a day, that's considered a wetland, and the EPA had rule over it. Last year, they tried to take the word navigable. President Obama tried to take the word navigable out of the mission, and Congress overruled that. They didn't allow that. Well, now, as usual, with uh, executive orders, his pen and his phone. I don't know what his phone has to do with it, but uh, apparently that's an important part of this. The EPA came out and they changed it so they could regulate virtually any puddle of water on anyone's property, and this included private ponds for farmers and that kind of stuff. We talked about that a little bit last week. Well, this week, the Senate voted to block that rule, and they're asserting a little control uh, over the EPA, but the, the... the language the EPA used was just, just silly. I mean, my goodness, it, it, it covered even dry riverbeds that at one time had water flowing through but didn't anymore. And if you wanted to do something on your private property that had any of these issues, you had to get federal permission. So, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee passed the bill by a vote 11 to 9, right down party lines, all Republicans voting for it, all Democrats voting against it, but it did get rid of that language. Now, we'll see if it holds up, but of course, the people supporting that language come out and, and, uh, say that Republicans are sponsoring a backdoor repeal of the Clean Water Act and that uh, uh, the Clean Water Act, by getting rid of that, it rolls back protections for the American people and their drinking water. Lives are in danger because of this. So apparently lives are in danger because we're not allowing the EPA to regulate standalone water in private ponds and dry riverbeds and potholes or anything else that, that uh, might hold uh, a little bit of water. Now, of course, the, the rhetoric, and this is why I, I talked to you about this, because I want you to see the methodology of the propaganda. And they came out, and the top uh, Obama advisor, Brian Deese, said the only people with reason to oppose the rule are polluters who threaten our clean water polluters now the question i have on this is where's the science where's the science on this i mean the epa is is all over this regulating water and even non-navigable water but there's no science behind it uh, here in the Midwest we got a big issue with Lake Erie and and algae blooms and uh, you know they're putting in all kinds of regulations that have nothing to do with the algae bloom. In fact, the EPA this week came out and said now they're taking aim at airline emissions that airplanes flying in the sky uh, account for two percent of the total carbon emissions worldwide. And, of course, we all know that carbon is what causes global warming or what the, the, the phrase they use now is climate change. Now, once again, I understand the EPA wanting to regulate exhaust and that kind of stuff. But they're using rules drafted by the International Civil Aviation Organization. You know where the International Civil Aviation Organization comes from? It's a branch of the United Nations. Do we want the United Nations setting our regulatory policy in this country? What motivation would they have to prohibit or inhibit our growth? I mean, the, the United Nations, they take aim at us. All the time in favor of poorer countries, underdeveloped countries. Now, once again, where's the science? Science today, especially for climate change, has gone the way of politics. It's all about grant money and how much money is is uh, available to you if you agree with the the narrative. I mean, where have scientists gone? Science used to be a field that searched for truth. And a true scientist had to be willing to have his theory disproved and change his position. Today, they use phrases like the debate is over, the science is settled, all the science... Uh, community agrees and anybody who disagrees is totally ignorant and some type of denier the the important thing to look at here is it's up to us to do our own research now I'm not talking about setting up your own laboratory in your backyard or your basement or anything like that and doing um, uh, climate research there. What I'm talking about is looking at all the information that's out there and not taking for granted that a politician or a member of a government agency is giving you any accurate information. It's up to you. Coming up, got an interview with Michelle Malkin, author of the new book, Who Built That? All inspiring stories of American tinkerpreneurs. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
1: Now back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
2: Joining me now is Michelle Malkin. She's a well-known conservative author, blogger, columnist, and entrepreneur. She's been a writer for Creator Syndicate since 1999. She's the author of four best selling books, including Culture of Corruption Obama and His Team of Tax Cheats, Crooks, and Cronies. She's also the author of the new book, Who Built That? All Inspiring Stories of American Tinkerpreneurs. Michelle, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: I, uh, I really enjoyed the book. I make it a point of reading the book of every author I have on the show. And uh, one of the things that caught me right out of the gate—I don't know whether it's page two or three or what—of the introduction, but you said that you wrote the book for kids. I
0: did, uh, and it was such a fun endeavor for me. I was uh, largely inspired by the that infamous quote from President Obama, of course. But as <laughs> course. I embarked on this journey, I really thought of my own children. I have a 14-year-old who just finished her. Uh, freshman year in high school, and I have an 11-year-old son who we are now homeschooling. We have been doing so for the last two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really see this mission as one of inculcation of core American values of our free enterprise system and economic liberty.
2: You know, in the book, he coined the phrase tinkerpreneur. I'd never heard that before, and I assume that uh, uh, that means from the French, you're undertaking tinkering. Um, Why is tinkering important, and and what is a tinkerpreneur?
0: Well, a tinkerpreneur is distinct from your big, great inventors that uh, we were all taught about in grade school, the Thomas Edisons and the Wright Brothers of the world. I really wanted to focus on uh, the folks who labor in their garages, mostly unseen and unrecognized, and who have, uh, despite their uh, lack of, of public fame and attention as Sort of a, a public rock star really had huge impacts on our lives uh, for inventing and innovating and, and improving things that are of convenience. The small, tiny, little things like bottle caps and flashlights mm-hmm. and toilet paper.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, picked up the book, of course, and and I'm looking through the table of contents, and I have to admit, uh, the first chapter I read was your chapter on eye toilet paper, which is obviously a, an offshoot of uh, uh, who is Leonard Reed's eye um, pencil, a very pedestrian item talked about from the standpoint of the pencil. And, and you use that template to talk about toilet paper.
0: I do. I, I really think it's important to open kids' eyes to the miracle of the mundane. <laughs> I think that in an Internet age, uh, kids... Uh, really have this uh, special marveling and and awe for, you know, gee whiz technology uh, and the Silicon Valley titans. Um, but I think that they should have as, as much respect and appreciation um, for these people who uh, really dedicated their lives to making things that make our lives so much easier. And Leonard Reed uh, was a, a famous free market economist who wrote um, – this very seminal essay i really think that if if i were to design a common core curriculum <laughs> it would it would mandate that every second and third grader read i pencil because it is such a beautiful little piece this ode to the voluntary exchanges that happen millions of times every single day right. without a, a, a command-and-control hand of, of government uh, decreeing that something be built. Because, you know, there, there could never, ever be an Obama executive order that ordered a, a toilet paper roll to be built. It, it is really <laughs> the result of, of many, 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 many capitalists. Right. And the same mm. is true of toilet paper.
2: You know, a while back, it's probably been a year now, I, uh, I read uh, uh, Jack uh, Height's book called A Bunch of Amateurs, mm-hmm. where he talks about the American spirit is is uh, uh, perpetuated essentially in the garage. Uh, are we losing our ability to tinker? I mean, are, are there a lot fewer tinkerers today than there have well, been in the past?
0: Yeah, I, I think that we've fallen away from that, and I certainly remember... You know, I, I, I went to grade school in the, in the 80s, and we still had to take shop class, and mm. you couldn't graduate if you, if you didn't build a birdhouse that didn't fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I definitely think that, you know, through through organizations like the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, and, and obviously with with uh, kids who are lucky enough to have parents and, and grandparents, especially, uh, who take their kids into the garage and, and uh, make them a part of their um, hobbying, mm. um, that still is alive, but uh, I think that, that um, we definitely need a, a greater sort of a public push for that, if, if I might say, and definitely not a government push, for sure. Right. Um, and, and, and I do have some hope. The, the last chapter of the book, I talk about the history of prosthetics in America mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. Civil War to the present, and there are a lot of kids out there, thank goodness, who are tinkering around with their grandparents or with an uncle. Um, a tinkerer and uh and doing some amazing things even using legos to power prosthetic hands
2: wow it's it's fascinating because i grew up in that environment i went to grade school in the 60s and the 70s and i had one of those tinkerpreneur fathers that you know if i said i wanted something or said i had a problem he'd hand me a box of tools Mm -hmm. and uh, just see what i could do and it, it still still influences me today what What are some of the common characteristics you found in your research of tinkerpreneurs?
0: Well, just as we've been talking about, many of these tinkerpreneurs learned at the hands of their fathers, at the knees of their grandfathers. Many of them uh, never finished eighth grade uh, Mm -hmm. or even high school. Now, some of them did end up going to engineering schools, but it it was... um, It's very true that uh, many of the entrepreneurs, tinkerpreneurs I talk about, were largely self-taught and almost wholly self-made. They had singular obsessions with improving their products. So these are people who didn't just have one or two patents, but had 200, 300, 400 patents. And then one of the most striking things to me, of course, was that they had a very explicit respect... Appreciation and admiration for not only American exceptionalism, but in particular the ability to, to profit from the fruits of their minds and the fruits of their labor. And this, I think, is such a driving imperative for me in the book because, of course, Obama comes from this wealth shaming wing of progressivism mm-hmm. um, where he rejects uh, individual credit for uh, the, the great things that, that have happened in America. And it's that collectivism, I think, that is so poisonous that has really seeped into our, our education system.
2: You know, you mentioned um, President Obama and, and uh, the federal government. One of the things that I have read recently being attacked is, is intellectual property. How important is patents and, and you know, the, the protection of that, that intellectual property in today's uh, tinkering world and is that being threatened by the government also?
0: It is so vital. And it, it's so important, of course, that our founding fathers embedded the idea of protecting intellectual private property in the Constitution. Article 1, Section 8, our patent laws explicitly make sure that inventors and authors are able to profit from their work. And that was something that was so unprecedented at the time and was a massive factor in uh, putting America ahead in the industrial age and the age of progress. And unfortunately, Obama has radically transformed this unique system, just like he's radically transformed everything else for the worse. Mm-hmm. He turned our patent system on its head in 2011 uh, with the help of, and I think, a lot of, of tools of both parties tools for big business instead of rewarding the first to invent we now have harmonized our laws with uh, the rest of the international patent laws and instead reward the people who are first to file patents well who does this benefit big corporations with large well-funded intellectual uh, property uh, lawyers uh, offices and departments at the expense of the garage tinkerer who is primarily the engine, the driver of innovation in America.
2: Uh, Michelle, we're going to put your book on the website. Terrific book. I really appreciate the time you are able to spend with us today and talking about it, and keep up the good work. I follow everything you write.
0: Thank you. It was my joy and pleasure. Take care.
2: Thank you very much. Coming up, we're going to spend a little time talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Gary Raspin, an economy of one.
1: an economy of one with Gary Rathbun.
2: I got to tell you I had kind of a uh, kind of a flashback uh, this week and it was one of those flashbacks that uh, uh, kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up you remember way back when when Nancy Pelosi Uh, made the statement, we have to pass the bill so that you can find out what's in it. Remember that? Remember what happened to us when that happened? Yes, we got the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare. Well, this week, um, Paul Ryan came out and we're talking about, he was talking about the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, Act. And, and that's something that hasn't really received a lot of press. So I, I wanted to make sure that that we talked about it for a few minutes. But he came out and said it's declassified and made public once it's agreed to. Now that's 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 just about as bad, just about as bad. Now the the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, very little is absolutely known about this. This has been being put together for over six years why six years you ask you figure it out do the math but it's not allowed to be made public president obama has made sure that this legislation is in a locked room no public is allowed in if you are a congressman you can get permission to go in and read it you're not allowed to take notes. You're not allowed to copy anything. You're not allowed to talk to anybody afterwards. Uh, and if you do, you could face up to five years in prison. So most members of Congress have not read this. It's 800 pages or something. And it, it's, it's a document that um, puts 11 countries together with us and talks about or binds us to different trade agreements and gives the president unbelievable amount of power in negotiating. It's fast track trading uh, uh, and tariff powers so that if president Obama wants something through, it's a simple up and down vote in the Senate with a majority, not the 60 votes normally needed to get uh, legislation out of the Senate, nor 67, two-thirds, generally needed for any type of tariffs or trade agreements. Now, what do we know that's in it? Very little. WikiLeaks put out some of the documents. But uh, Dick Morris has done a lot of research on this, and he published some stuff on The Hill this week. The, the talks about this, the, the, the main impact of the Trans-Pacific Partnership is to create obstacles in the way American attempts to regulate access to our market. So does American or state law restrict gen- genetically modified food? Not under the TPP anymore. Does the U.S. Congress impose limitations on the free flow of labor between America and Mexico? Uh, TPP can stop that. The Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement gives an unprecedented amount of power to the president to negotiate treaties, to put in writing uh, curbs to currency manipulation, um, even to the point of contracting America or obligating America to be regulated under certain environmental laws remember the old days this is a long time ago the Kyoto Treaty that came out of Japan and we never signed that because it was a essentially an anti-American anti-capitalism document well this now will give power To the president where he can essentially hand over American sovereignty. What bothers me on this is a couple fold, a couple fold. One, most of the Congress, most of the people voting on it have never read it. So they don't really know what they're voting for or voting against. We're supposed to trust people who have looked at it. When Paul Ryan comes out and says it'll be declassified and made public once it's agreed to. that That's Obamacare all over again. That's Nancy Pelosi saying we have to pass the bill so that you can find out what's in it. And boy, did we find out. So it bothers me that these people are voting on that. Why are there people in Congress? Why are they there? They are there to represent yours and mine interest they represent us hence the name representatives in a representative Republic we are not a democracy we are a representative Republic another thing that bothers me about this is this includes other agreements the TPP Trans Pacific Partnership Includes trade and services agreement, which we know nothing about, and the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, which we know nothing about. These acts are completely secretive, and they've been unavailable for even members of Congress to read. So they have no idea what they're voting on. None. None. Is that what we put these people in office for? Another thing that bothers me about this is who's funding it? Who's, who's really lobbying for it? Big Pharma. The pharmacy, pharmaceutical industry is really lobbying hard for this to get passed. One more reason to be highly cynical and highly skeptical of this act. Now, this is 800 pages. Congress doesn't know what's in it. We do know it's giving unlimited power, or I won't say unlimited, a tremendous amount of power to this president. Now, God knows we don't need another law out there. But if I was to say we do need a law, I think this would be a good one. And that is that any Congress, any member of Congress, Senate or representative, that votes on a piece of legislation, either for or against, doesn't matter, who has not read the legislation should be thrown out of Congress. How can they represent us, either voting for it or voting against it, if they don't know what's in it? How can we talk to our representatives if we don't know what's in it? Now, I blame the electorate. I blame ourselves. More people are interested in Bruce Jenner switching his identity switching his gender to Caitlyn Jenner, then are concerned about the future of this country and the future of our economy. This is huge when it comes to the economy. I can't express enough how important this is. And I rarely do this. Rarely encourage my audience to contact their senator or representative and voice their opinion on this, but I encourage you to do this. These people need to know that we're paying attention to something other than Bruce Jenner and American idol i I just i i, I just I just don't understand the apathy that Americans have toward very, very important things going on in Washington. This is not a Republican-Democrat thing. I don't know, quite honestly, I don't know if I'm for it or against it. I do know the pieces that have been leaked out that are telling me what's in this. I don't know if these these items are in there or not. It's just information that's been either leaked accidentally or purposely to us. But I don't know what's in there. I don't know how to talk to my representative and ask them what I would like. And I'm too old to trust people to act in my best interest. I don't think any politician acts in any best interest other than their own. I've said over and over again, when a politician gets elected, the next morning, that first Wednesday in November, the minute his feet hit the floor, his first thought is, what do I have to do to get reelected? Very disappointing to me that a congressman like Paul Ryan would say something to the effect it's declassified and made public once it's agreed to that 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 is not the paul ryan that i have read about and learned about I, I i think there's a level of frustration there on their part and uh very very disappointing up next change gears a little bit let's take a look at what's going on with second amendment rights and One more reason why I don't live in San Francisco. I'll talk about that next. Gary Rathbun, an economy of one.
1: Now back to an economy of one with Gary Rathbun.
2: Well, we've got good news and not so good news when it comes to your Second Amendment rights this week. Uh, First, some good news. Uh, Wisconsin, great state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, governor, has not declared his uh, uh, candidacy for president yet, but uh, I'm sure he will. Uh, But Wisconsin Assembly passed a bill eliminating the 48-hour waiting period for a handgun purchase. In the past, you would buy a handgun or apply to buy a handgun, and you'd have to wait 48 hours. Well, Wisconsin legislature said that, you know, with instant or fairly instant um, electronic background checks, there's no reason for people to wait more than an hour or so. So they pass that, eliminating the 48-hour waiting period. So now if you want to buy a gun in Wisconsin and pass the background check, within a very short period of time, you will be able to pick up your handgun. And, of course, the anti-Second Amendment people said, oh, this will give people who are depressed or angry um, uh, a quicker time to get a handgun to go murder somebody rather than the cooling-off period, as they call it. And, uh, you know, of course, you can you can state the other side of the agreement or the other side of the argument that says uh, how many people have been killed because of not being able to get protection fast enough to protect themselves from uh, an ex-spouse or a uh, immediate threat or, or short-term threat. So uh, good job, Wisconsin. Uh, let's keep it up. Now, I think last time we talked about uh, President Obama's gag order on firearm-related speech. In other words, he wanted to regulate um, uh, the Internet from posting information about guns and ammunition and and that kind of stuff. Well, the next thing that happened this week was uh, San Francisco— uh, had two gun control measures in their city, violently opposed by the—well, not violently opposed. I guess you can't say that word when you're talking NRA. Fiercely opposed, let's say that, fiercely opposed by the NRA and Second Amendment rights people that said San Francisco ordinance requires residents to keep handguns under lock and key or to use trigger locks when they are not carrying their weapons. Second law they had was that they had a law that bans the sale of ammunition that expands on impact hollow point bullets Okay, well the bad news is the Supreme Court rejected the NRA challenge to these San Francisco rules So if you're not carrying your gun even in your own home, it has to be under lock and key or have a trigger lock so somebody breaks into your house You better be really quick on getting that trigger lock off so that you can protect yourself. Now, the thing about this is uh, how are they going to prove it? Because it's after the fact. And the next step, I believe, is this gives people, gives the authorities one more reason. One more reason to come into your house and stick their nose in your business to see if all the guns you have in your house are safe and secure in their opinion now will it be challenged again I hope so because I don't want to see this go through the entire country if your gun has to be under lock and key even in the house, uh, you might as well not have it. Because by the time you get that unlocked and ready, uh, bad things are likely to happen to you. The NRA is correct that the fight never ends. The thing that separates you and me from tyranny is our right to have our own weapon to protect Our property, our family, and I'll say it, our country. If there are no guns, the government has no fear of the people. Now, I don't think our government's too afraid of us now, but they have pause. The weapons we own will give them pause. So we need to protect these laws. Another reason came up this week as to why I don't want to live in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, apparently their new enemy is soda. Sugary drinks, that's right. It's going to kill you. You're going to die a horrible, painful, gooey death without warning labels on your soda drinks. Now you remember several years ago, Michael Bloomberg did this in New York. Not the labels; he limited the size, the size of the drink. Well, it's not a not a uh, not a law yet, but they're trying to get this warning through. Um, all sugary beverages would include this language. Ready? Warning. Drinking beverages with added sugar or sugars contributes to obesity, diabetes, and tooth decay. This is a message from the city and county of San Francisco. Now, once again, I mean, these people never end the growth of the nanny state. Remember last week it was s'mores? We got to get rid of s'mores because that causes obesity, Diabetes and tooth decay. Also, they want you to put yogurt and strawberries between two graham crackers. Uh, no, I don't think so. But once again, more of your liberty being taken away, little bit at a time, because you're too stupid to take care of yourself and and uh, form your own judgment as to what's best for you. You know, I I just get tired of this. Every week, it's something. Either the EPA tells me I don't know how to do the right thing on my own property that I paid for and continue to pay property taxes, or they're telling me I'm too stupid to understand that soda has sugar in it. Now, once again, so we started the show. Where's the science? Is sugar going to kill me at 58? I don't think so. I don't think it's uh, got that much power. So, uh, but we'll keep an eye on it. I want you to have a great day. I want you to be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time.
0: This is our country.
1: The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor.